good evening to you nice folk welcome to red voices with this week things are just fine time to go back and dissect last week's derby defeat to city and the subsequently unconvincing defeats of bournemouth and west brom it's you and rich as ever but we've drafted in some help tonight united twitter royalty no less you might know him as written off underscore mufc or one of the voices of the can they score podcast we just know him as james hi james how you doing man yeah i'm very good thank you and you uh, pretty good you know I, I was quite pleased that the uh the soft play today over in uh hilton had uh wi-fi so i was actually able to watch us beat west brom today yeah excellent yeah it's good good way you can get these um internet signals to watch the quality um second half performance especially when you're chasing off after several animals that are you know running wild and riding down slides and asking you to go through various obstacle courses and ball pits but there we go rich how are you doing hello i'm not too bad Good. This, this this is a very even start to the episode, guys. I feel like we're all very much shaped by what we've seen in the last week. Uh, Rich. Actually, no. Rich, I always ask you first. James. So we're about just over a week uh, after the defeat to City. Um, things have seemingly mellowed out since that point. How did that defeat hit you last weekend? Um, I think initially, the same as everybody else, um, pretty much shocked that we were that poor and didn't really have a go. But sort of looking back, sort of hindsight, you then look at how your Spurs were taken apart pretty much last night. So you start to think, was it actually quite as bad as as we thought? And if we had have let the um, let the horses run free, as Jose said, we'd have um, got absolutely battered. I think so. You sort of temper it a bit with, you know, if we'd have had a bit more of a go, would we have, would, would could we have caused them problems? Which yes, I think we probably could. But there wasn't the I don't know courage or confidence or you know without Pogba, maybe the the team just didn't didn't have it and um yeah i mean city played pretty decently to be honest and their pressing pretty much um put an end to some of our build-up play and and that was it really so i think we've moved on it's it's nice that we were you know you were recording now a week on rather than a few hours on i think that would have been a different story but so yeah we sort of moved on i think and city becomes a, a distant memory that we all don't talk about until <laughs> we play them again hmm. i mean what do you think went wrong last weekend um I just think that, well, firstly, Pogba not being there, I think, was a big thing in terms of the confidence of the team. I think that, I mean, Jose set out a pretty attacking team, all the three, Lukaku and Rashford and Martial all playing. I think people thought, well, you know, he's just, he's going for it. Shock horror in a big game, he's going for it. But it just never really materialised. I think their pressing of our central defenders was just spot on because Rojo's not the best on the ball. Smalling certainly is, and and it sort of went from there. It just ended up being hoof ball up to Lukaku, who couldn't hold it up, which wasn't always his fault. And it just sort of, you know, no creativity, obviously without Pogba, but just there was nothing there. And it took their goal to spark us into a bit of life and mistake from Delft, was it? Yeah, or Otamendi and Delft. And yeah, it's just we were lucky to be one-one. And I think people thought, oh, we'll build on this, and it sort of, um, yeah, went to pot again with the uh, Otamendi sort of second goal. And although, you, I mean, you look at it again. You could say, well, we're one, you know, Lukaku miss, um, good save maybe, and Mata sort of follow up from possibly drawing. But to be honest, we're clutching at straws a little bit because it was it was a bit sort of men against boys, I think, at certain times. But you know, it was um, yeah, just overall disappointing. But you you know, move on and two wins in a week to follow it up, pretty scrappy ones. But you know, done the job. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll move that over to you, Rich. I was about to ask you uh, what your thoughts on the derby were. I know what they are, but just tell me anyway for the sake of argument. I think we're all accepting, and I think there was a degree of acceptance before this City team were on a different level to anybody else, including us this season. 
purely pragmatic sense, I think we've been at the point for a while where we just have to concentrate on ourselves and look to try to win as many games as possible and, fi- and finish second. And so I suppose going into the game, I, I sort of had that at the back of my mind. But there were just, I think there were two frustrating things for the game. The first was we didn't really start playing until Rashford scored. Sort of first 42 minutes, but really lost minutes. I mean, as James was saying, you know, we, we were just pumping the ball upfield, weren't we really? Um, and it's not Lukaku's skill set to, to be bringing balls out of the sky on his instep. And also the fact that we didn't, we, we lost to two set-piece goals, which is really what we didn't expect at all. You'd hope with the Mourinho team that we defend set-piece as well. And I, I think that, that Pogba and Fellaini have been losses in that in that respect. But it was just really frustrating to lose to two goals like that rather than, you know, to be really cut apart like Spurs were yesterday. But I think we just have to take it on the chin and move and move on as we have done and, and try and beat everybody else and accept that, that we have improved a lot this season and try and really push on again next year. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head regarding those goals. It wasn't like City were absolutely banging on the door and carving us open at will. They were actually struggling for the most part to break the stand despite dominating the play. So the frustration really came from giving those two goals away in pretty cheap circumstances, you know. Lukaku pretty easily out-muscled for the first one, Otamendi getting the touch and it, well, sorry, it bouncing off Lukaku and, you know, ending up right in front of David Silva to poke home. And then the second goal, which was just a, that a terrible clearance. And then, you know, Otamendi's there to poke home number two. And it came from, it didn't come from us getting cut up apart as you said there it came from us just not being good defensively for the most part those two lapses cost us really dearly and the frustration is is that on those occasions where we actually got forward and started to test it see we actually caused them some problems you know the 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 equalizer you know obviously it didn't last particularly long but it was as a result of us actually pushing on and martial just after that goal had been scored was actually starting to run at them a little bit more we seemed to have a little bit more confidence about us for that brief period and then, you know, Rashford's goal, very well taken, obviously helped by the fact that, what was it, Delph and Otamendi both missed it. And Edison, as Neville pointed out on the commentary, got his angles completely wrong and left a lot of the goal to shoot at. But he took it really well. And it was similar in the sense to the derby that we had a year ago, wasn't it? That we were 2-0 down, not really playing very well, and we got a gift and dragged ourselves back into it. But we gave City far too much room, far too much respect, far too much of the ball. And, you know, Pogba wasn't, Pogba was obviously absent and that was a huge problem for us. But at the same time, I don't think there was enough of a step up from the team to really compensate for that, you know? I think Mourinho is probably mindful of the fact, and something we've seen again today and against Bournemouth, that without Pogba, we just can't pass through the midfield or we can't dribble or pass through the midfield. We can't keep the ball well enough in those areas to to really play through a, a team who um, presses intensely as as City do. I mean, we, we couldn't really pass through a t- team that um, pressed as intensely as West Brom did for the last 20 minutes today. So I understand to a degree why why we decided to go long, but but it was just so one-dimensional until after the goal. And it was similar to the last, last year's game in that the second half was a lot better than the first half, but ultimately we just didn't give enough. And we, I think we were just left frustrated because we just felt that we could have, we could have offered more. Yeah, do you like that, James? Yeah, I was just sort of thinking as you were talking there about if Pogba had been um, you know, available, would he have been played in a two? Because I think that would have been a, you know, a bit of a disaster. I think because I think City would have just played balls around him. Silver and De Bruyne would have cut him to, to ribbons. So you wonder if he'd have been available, would he have played three? You know, with Herrera as well, and tried to sort of you know give Herrera perhaps license to really 
press on to you know one of De Bruyne and Silva and maybe make an effort in there because you thought in the early parts of the game that that's what they were going to do but and Herrera didn't seem to then ca- carry it on he seemed to do it for the first couple of minutes then give up and then it just all went to to pot from there so it just yeah it just made me think not just Pogba from a um, attacking point of view would have been better but what would he have done defensively because you know he's a he's not the best in a midfield too he's you know fantastic going forward but defensively mm. a bit of a a liability at times but yeah it just makes you think it's all what ifs I think a lot of the game and could have been a lot worse and obviously could have been could have been a lot better after the you know getting back to 1-1 you think it's going to be taken on but nothing really happened that second half to think that we were we were going to you know, either draw or, or win even hmm. What were your guys uh, readings on the Kharkis performance you know there was that was one of those evenings where I was surprised that Mourinho didn't give him a bit of respite and just take him off because when we were approaching the hour mark, 70 minute mark, it was just clear that it wasn't happening for him on that evening. And you know he was struggling with his control. He was struggling to hold the ball up. He wasn't looking great when United had rare occasions to go forward. I think there was that one great pass from Jesse that he just ballooned into the Stretford end. You know, the, the chance... You would you would hope someone of his quality and from that sort of area would be able to get something on target to the point where Edison you know wouldn't have even been able to make a save, but it just didn't happen. James, what did you make of Lukaku? I mean, it only wasn't great, but I think the overall the takeaway sort of thought you get from it is is obviously the defensive mistake. So you, it, that's the initial thing that the press pick up on and pundits afterwards are saying. You know, you can he's clearly at fault for certainly the second, and you could say obviously the first as well, pretty much. Um, so that's the the main part you take away and then all he in the first half he just had balls lumped up to him he couldn't hold them up which you know not many people could to be honest because they weren't great balls they were just you know hope hit and hope you know hoofs to be honest with you so but he's he's sort of Jose's favorite striker of the season like Ibrahimovic last season was never taken off however poor he played and in a way with Lukaku you can see why you keep him on because he is quick he can just do something he can bundle his way through get on the end of a cross you know so I can see the logic in keeping him on and didn't Ibrahimovic came on after about 70 minutes or so and you know he didn't didn't pull up any trees either so I don't know I think it's it was fair to keep him on we needed a goal so why take off your main striker so that was that was I didn't think he was he was that bad it wasn't at fault from attacking point of view but defensively he's had a bit of a shocker but there we go fair enough Rich um, that now leaves us you know here we are on Sunday night after beating West Brom a nice big old 11 points behind and I think it's fair to say the title was pretty much done even though you were feeling like it was pretty much done several weeks ago that felt like the nail in the coffin of the league season really didn't it? Yeah I think they're just too good aren't they? We're clearly still a work in progress I mean there's been a lot of analysis done in the last week or two about the the extent of the reshaping of the squad that Guardiola's been able to do he's signed 17 players and I think 9 of those have been in in and around the first team and he was able to get rid of God knows five or six players even this summer, whereas Mourinho's had to do had to evolve us a lot more slowly, and I think he was obviously starting from a lower base as well. I think we can both look at City and be disappointed that so far ahead, and obviously it's it's never good to see a City side playing the football that they are now, whilst also accepting that we've possibly improved nearly as much as they have from our own starting base position. And that possibly with another year and another another summer signings, where Mourinho can get three or four more of his own players in, then you know potentially we've got something to aim for. And I think if we look at the squad as well, we can still see there are areas of the team that really need upgrading. And if you have that in mind, if Mourinho can actually do that, then you could you can imagine that we could probably 
against them a far better challenge next year. I think we just have to be pragmatic and accept that we're not, um, that they're further through the cycle of evolution that they're going to be in under Guardiola. And bearing in mind they've been essentially put, putting down the uh, groundwork for Guardiola to arrive for the last five years. So he came into the, to a squad with players that some players that were far more suited to his um, his style of football as well. So I think we just have to hold our hands up and say, you know, we've improved a lot and we should ha- we should be pretty happy with that. And um, you know, just look to build again next year. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to grab some stats, I mean, I was thinking earlier on whether I should actually think of some sort of, you know, introduction for this, like a partridge thing, essentially. Welcome to Stat Corner. It's Alan Stats. <laughs> look at this stage last year. I think it was 18 games in. we just beaten Sunderland 3-1. That was us 18 games, 33 points. And then if I nip all over to the uh, where we are now, eight points further ahead than we were last season, scoring a lot more goals, conceding a fair few less... Our home form, apart from that one City defeat, I believe, has been completely unblotted. So we've been great. We've won essentially every game apart from the derby at home in all competitions, which is excellent because, you know, Rich, how many times last season were you and I talking on this very podcast about the fact that we couldn't seem to win at home because we were just drawing every two days? So some clear signs of progress. And, you know, despite the derby defeat, it's not like the season is all over and done with, is it? You know, we've still got both domestic cup competitions, a favourable Champions League draw against Sevilla as well. It's not the easiest one, of course, but that's something that I think this United side and Mourinho will be looking at thinking, yes, we can beat that side. We can definitely get through to the quarterfinals. Who knows what will happen to us then? But I think every United fan was looking at that draw thinking that could have been worse. We should be looking to win that tie. So it's clear that there's still a lot to look forward to in the season. I guess it's just a rather large bummer to try and get our head around that despite having one of our best starts to a Premier League season in years, the best that we've had since Alex Ferguson retired, here we are, December, and the league's already pretty much sewn up by City. It's just very difficult watching your, your cross-city rivals playing a level of football that you know probably only one or two, three teams in, in the Premier League era have really kind of reached that level. But, I mean, they haven't won anything yet, and you never know. I think we should be relatively pleased with what we've done under Mourinho so far. Hmm. James? Yeah, I agree. I think um, we've got to look at it as second is the best we can do. And if, to, if you compare it to last season, that's a big step because sixth is always sixth. Yeah, sixth last season up to second is is huge. And you know, it's another you know stepping stone. As you say, you you compare it to how City are doing, and it and it looks poor. But if we come above above Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, I think that's pretty decent. And you know, like I say, we're still in all the cups and decent cup run in um, in Europe. Um, like I say to get past Sevilla should be certainly more than possible and then you take your chances from there and I think any time we come up against a decent team we're probably going to struggle but then you'd probably back Mourinho in a two-leg game against um, against most unless the unless we meet one of the real real top teams but you know I don't, I don't see why we can't win the the um, Carling Cup or Carabao Cup or Milk Cup or whatever it's called um, again and, you know why not have another run in the FA Cup and that's what Mourinho is going to play on he knows he's not going to win the league so therefore if he ends up yeah. with a trophy, whether it's any of those, well, any of the two, let's say the two domestic ones, then he'll say successful season, second, another Champions League, and he'll get more money to spend, certainly in uh, next summer, to, to get nearer to the team he wants. So, uh, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom, but it's just like you say, you always look back at City and think, you know, there are near neighbours and you want to be up with them, and that's just not possible for this season by the looks of it. So let's let's finish top of the top six mini league, let's say, of finishing second, and let's, let's yeah. go from there. 
Let's just go win everything else. That'd be nice. There we go. Champions League. Before we go on to the uh, victories over Bournemouth and West Brom, because they were very interesting. (laughs) Let's talk about that draw. I mean... I really do fancy Mourinho to do some damage in the Champions League if he can get his team right this season. It does feel like there are hints that he's gotten closer to that. And, you know, we sort of... I mean, stumbled isn't the right word, but we sort of swung our way through the Europa League and then ended up having a very good display, defensive display against Ajax in the final in Stockholm back in May. With the way the draw has panned out for the last 16, at least initially, it does look like we have given ourselves a good chance to go through. James, what do you realistically think we can expect from United in Europe this season? Um, I think if we... Obviously, anything but getting past Sevilla is going to be disappointing. So I think we'll, we should, with a bit of luck, get past get past them. But then after that, I think I think we'd take quarterfinal, to be honest, if um, if that's as far as we get. Semi-final, you know, it all depends who you get because the next there's still some weaker teams or supposedly weaker teams in there. But you'd sort of look at it as taking what you can get. You're, we're not going to win it. Let's face it. I mean, it would be it would be a massive surprise. But you just never know. We, I suppose, with Mourinho, he's going to park the bus on um, and some big away game maybe and just sneak something back at Old Trafford. You never know. But I think you know the club and the fans would be happy with a quarter-final. You know, a glorious failure in the quarterfinal. A bit, I suppose the only problem comes if you lose in that quarterfinal to a Liverpool or a City. You know, then that's the narrative is is completely different. But if you lose to a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or PSG or whatever, then you can take it. So that's the that's the sort of um, gambit maybe you're looking at to see who you lose to eventually. But I don't know. Maybe I'm being too negative for for Europe. But um, I'd be happy with quarterfinal. But it's just who you lose to in the end that could sort of shape the the narrative. Rich? Yeah. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with James. I tend to agree with James. I think I think a quarterfinal was probably par. I think if we, we got that far, we'd, we'd all be fairly happy with the season. As, as he said, if we were to lose to Liverpool in the quarterfinal, that would be a disappointment. But I think if we if we look back at it at the end of the season, I, I'd imagine we'd be relatively pleased with that. As Again, as James said, I think Mourinho is quite capable of scruffing us past someone pretty decent in a two-legged tie. I don't think he could scruff us past two or three teams in a two-legged tie. You'd hope we'd be severe. I think that they are beatable. They're not quite the side they've been in recent years, but they're still obviously dangerous and they've got a very, very good home record. After that, it really, really comes down to who we draw. But it wouldn't be any any shame to, to go out of the quarterfinals. I don't think we're quite ready to, to win it. I, there are so many really strong teams in the competition this year. It feels a lot stronger than it has in the past. Perhaps it's just a perception, but it, it does. It does, particularly with the strength of the English teams as well. And I think it will take a really, really good side to win it this year. Um, and bearing in mind that some of the greatest sides we've seen the last the last ten years have. I mean, Real were the first the first side to win it back to back. I think in the Champions League era. So um, it's, it's a really, really difficult competition to win, and I, I don't think there's any. There'd be any shame in going out of the quarterfinals this year and then looking to build again next year and cross our fingers and hope to hell that City don't win it. <laughs> I guess the interesting thing is is that in the last 20 years, United have always combined a very deep run in the Champions League with going right to the end of the league season slash winning it. So it, it'll be interesting to see if Mourinho, if he gets a favourable draw or plays a team, if we get drawn against the side that he feels that United can take how he might approach that because 
I do wonder whether or not he would simply then just go out and prioritise Europe because I guess in that sort of instance if we're going to end up you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 points behind City you might think well I don't really care if it's any more you know, we, we are unlikely to botch Champions League places at this point he said touching wood in the middle of December but yeah I mean again favourable draw could do a lot of good for us and I think you're both right in the sense that quarterfinal might be the best that we could get but at the same time I'm really interested now to see with the fact that the league is almost pretty much gone how far he's willing to push United to progress in Europe because it must really rattle him and upset him the fact that he is now into the season where he always wins the league. You know, this has been mentioned so much. Mourinho always does well in his second season at a club and wins the league. And that's not going to happen this year. So does he then go hell for leather for the next big available trophy, which in this case is obviously going to be the Champions League. You know, we haven't necessarily got the vast riches that a lot of the other big clubs in Europe have at the moment. You look at PSG's attack, Barca have turned around an awkward start to the season and are firing in all cylinders. Real is still a massive danger. You know, Bayern have picked them up after getting rid of Ancelotti. So still a lot of great, great clubs left in the competition. But I do wonder if Mourinho will be plotting a way of trying to get through that competition now very, very seriously, more than he would have done after that City defeat. Anyway, let's move on to Wednesday's game against Bournemouth. James, just a very quick summary, if you please. Um, it was one goal. Lukaku scored. Uh, we got three points. And yeah, no, it was. So I, think I like that. Happened, to be honest, yeah, I, I did see the whole game, but I could. Tell, I can't tell you too much about it. I don't think we created very much. Bournemouth played pretty well. Seemed to create lots of chances. Certainly first half and against the run of play, Lukaku scored, and then we. That was really it. I don't think there's too many chances. Second half of, of no really uh, Rashford's cracking effort was um, did it hit the bar? I think it hit the bar rather than saved. That was about it really. And um, yeah, it was a case of getting the three points after the after the City sort of um, defeat out of your system. And yeah, they got the three points and, and that was it. So it's, I would say it's a pretty nondescript game that no one will ever remember when you look back on on the season. No, uh, Rich, it was a bit of an odd one as well for Lukaku, wasn't it? Just twice we've seen that in the space of a week. Good-headed goal from a great cross, just cele- not even celebrated. Yeah, it's difficult to know what that's that's about. I mean, the Old Trafford crowd has been a bit murmury, hasn't it, in, in the last two or three games um, I think there was certainly a lot of frustration at his performance against City and I, I just wonder whether that's disappointed him a bit I don't I don't know I mean it could be something completely different but you know he has been taking a bit of stick and he hadn't scored you know hadn't scored consistently for quite a long period of time it's really hard to know I, I think I think he is making a point and perhaps it is related to, to those murmurs in the crowd but I think he'll get over it <laughs> to be honest um, I think if he's scoring scoring more freely, I, I think Pogba coming back will help him on the pitch, particularly. I think he'll have, have a lot more service, a lot better chances. And I think once he really gets back into his groove and he's really playing towards the level that he was playing at the start of the season, the first two or three months in the season, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we'll be seeing celebrating like that for much longer. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, it, you guys pretty much covered that Bournemouth game superbly. You know, it was very, very wet though. But that was, uh, what was that, second start in a week for Luke Shaw as well. Uh, and he was also on the bench this afternoon. James, do you think there's any chance that he sort of played his way back into Mourinho's thinking? Because it's been noticeable that he was on the bench for the derby, biggest game of the season, and Blinden Darmian have sort of been pushed to the side with his presence over the last week or so, last 10 days. Yeah, he's, he's sort of certainly put some um, thought there that he, he can 
uh, make a contribution because, as you say, Damian and Blind can cover multiple positions, and to me that they would be more useful on the bench because um, they can cover within the in the case of any injuries. You know, they can slot straight into a number of positions. So with Shaw, it's left back or nothing. But he's he's I think he's you know he's on his way back in terms of fitness. He looked a bit I think he got a bit of cramp towards the end of the Bournemouth game, and that's only natural I suppose when he's he's sort of um, coming back and trying to get get match fitness. So whether long term he sort of forced his way back in. I think he'll see out the season, I would have thought, as number two to Ashley Young. Young can't play every game, so therefore he's excellent as a as a number two left back. And if he keeps playing as well as he can, he gets back to his, his old form, then he, you know, I wouldn't be surprised he'll be, end up by the end of the season being number one. But you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes in terms of if he slackens in training and Mourinho's going to bomb him out again. So I think with a longer term, it'd be a surprise if he stays post, post the summer. But you know, it's, he's got a chance now, and he didn't have that it, a month ago. He looks, you know, just gone. Basically, there was no chance, and now he's he's got his chance. So if he takes it, it's up to him. To be honest, if he keeps fit, keeps working hard, then he's got a place in the squad. But if he slackens, then you know Mourinho is going to just chuck him out. So that'll be that'll be it. But I don't think he'll go in January personally. I think it's interesting that Mourinho didn't brought Rocco on at left back instead of Shaw today. I think Shaw was on the bench, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was on the bench. Yeah, I th- I've still got this. This idea that I don't know where I've got it from, but I'm not convinced that Mourinho um, really trusts him defensively. It's terrific going forward against CSK, but we tend to get caught out in the left back position reasonably regularly when he's when he's playing there. I'm not sure if he just pushes too far up or if he doesn't get tight enough with the with the centre backs or what. So it's just interesting today that when we needed to bring on a left back, he chose to bring on Rocco, who from everything we've seen of him at left back is an absolute abomination in that position. <laughs> Well, no, if you if you think back to uh, to Rocco at left back under LVG, it was it was an absolute horror show, wasn't it? It's I think people some people have just assumed that because he's because he started that game and he's been on the bench and whatnot that he's perhaps back in back in good books. And I think I just wonder if Mourinho's just being his pragmatist self, and that for example, Darmian particularly is is just further down the list of the on the on the naughty stick um, than Shaw is at the moment. Um, it, you know. Darmin seems to have been banished with Mkhitaryan and Blint disappeared as well. Um, and he seems Mourinho seems to have this sort of ever fluid list of players and where they are in his in his good books and who he's going to banish to the tactics bunker or the scouting bunker that Moyes left behind for a couple of months. Um, so I, I just wonder whether it's a case of he, he's just just in better books than the other options are left back at the moment. But all United fans would love Luke Shaw to cement that left-back place and really make a career at United when it's been assumed for quite a long time that, that wasn't going to happen. And he's certainly, he's definitely got, he's got something, he's got ability, he's really good going forward. He's, he's clearly got a lot of tools to be a really, really good left-back. But for whatever reason, he just hasn't quite, I mean, LVG never really completely trusted him, I thought, even when he was playing. And obviously he's had the injuries, which were incredibly unlucky. But yeah, I I'd, I think we'd all love him to come United's left back for a very long time, but I'm just not entirely convinced that Mourinho thinks that's likely. Although, frankly, I'd rather have him over, over Danny Rose. Oh yeah, you were speaking about that on Twitter earlier on, Rich. You're not a very big fan. I just think we bulked in the summer at paying, well, we don't really know, but for, say 40 to 50 million was kind of quoted prices for Perisic as a 28-year-old, 28, 28 29-year-old. And the, the suggestion was that the club just weren't willing to pay that sort of level of money for a guy who was approaching his, his early 30s. It doesn't make any sense to me to spend that sort of money 
and have to deal with Levy as well for a guy who, in theory, is a left-back slightly less important than Perisic would have been, is a similar age and has had terrible injury problems in the last couple of years. It doesn't make any sense to me to do that when I'm not convinced that he's that, that much of a better player, if a better player at all, than, than Luke Shaw is at the moment. When I think there are other areas of the team we could really do with spending pretty large amounts of money on first. Hmm. Mkhitaryan, he has had an interesting season in the sense that he started off actually okay, James. And things have rather rapidly descended into the fact that he is essentially in his own twilight zone or some form... And let me try to think of the best way to describe this. Essentially, you know, let's go back to one of Rich's old standards. He's in the dungeon. And we've seen stories this week from The Telegraph and also on The Beeb. You know, and when BBC Sports getting involved tweeting about player transfers or unrest, you know it's been it's come up from right at the top of the club and it seems like Nikitarian is staring down the barrel of his United career at this point which is I guess it's remarkable considering what we've seen from him over the last 18 months because there'll be some really high notes have you been surprised by what's happened over the last couple of weeks in particular um yeah to the extent that he's been sort of ostracized I think we all thought it was down to poor performances which he was rightly dropped you know he was absolutely abysmal for I don't know, a month, six six weeks, sort of two months almost, where he just literally looked like he couldn't put one foot in front of the other or pass to a, um, someone in the same colour shirt. So he was rightly dropped, but to be completely, you know, you, you imagined after that he'd be on the bench and sort of slowly ease back in as confidence improved, but he hasn't been, so he's clearly upset Mourinho. And when he when Mourinho takes some umbrage with somebody, he doesn't, you know, you don't get back in the inner circle until you, you pay your dues. And clearly there's something going on there that, is bigger than just poor form so it doesn't look great for him at the moment but again you know with Mourinho it can change quickly but you know you do wonder if um his his you know bridges have been burned and and he'll be off maybe I mean if uh, to be honest if we got a bid of 20 million in the January window I think that could well be it because I think um that might well be enough to see that bid accepted but um yeah again at the moment you can't see how he can get back in but would you would anyone be surprised that you know, he suddenly comes in from the the cold, but he he just hasn't done it. You you know, I don't think he's um he was that great in the um, early part of the season. I know he got all these assists, which you know is one thing I know. But to me, he still wasn't playing that well. But you know, the stats nerds amongst us um see that and think, oh yeah, that justifies his place. But I think he's been massively underwhelming in the in the two seasons he's been, or or sort of eighteen months or so. And he's he's got a lot to do. But his situation is um is a bit bit bewildering at the moment but um, I, I can't see a way back for him but you wouldn't be surprised if there was oh, here's an idea uh, Perisic from a guitar in and cash that could work out I think you need to go for that yeah <laughs> isn't, there, isn't there isn't there another interplayer that apparently is it the Portuguese um, Mario, Mario, yeah. Mario or something yeah but he doesn't I don't, I don't know much, too much about him but he was linked before I think before he went to um, Inter but he doesn't seem to be that he's on that good a form and no. it, it maybe makes some sense to try and get somebody back in exchange but these swap deals and stuff get mooted in the press but they never happen no, so no. i don't know why they even get talked about it's um yeah i think we need to, we could do with 20 million if we can get it for him 25 at a push you know reinvest that somewhere else but whether we can do that mid-season i don't know yeah well very fairly rooted into his late 20s so i guess we're not gonna get too much back for him but at this stage you know if Mourinho doesn't see any use for him and there's been that much of a breakdown in relationships and i guess you just got to go for your price and i'm not suggesting i don't i want him to go because i don't but at this point 
if there's that much of a fundamental disconnect between the player and the manager, then you know the manager's always going to win, and especially when it's Jose, he just won't countenance this sort of tosh essentially but there we go we'll see how that pans out in the next couple of weeks won't we with the January transfer window so close by so let's round off with a quick chat about well this afternoon's game at the Hawthorns Rich more squeaky than it needed to be after a rather straightforward first half fair enough yeah I mean that never happens to us does it no never it's not like we've seen that several times over the last few weeks (laughs) where United have had a pretty good first half get a couple of goals in front and then basically sit back and do absolutely naff all it was, doesn't it sound was, like us at all. No, not at all. It, it was a really weird game in that you know United never got out of second gear in the first half, but West Brom was so bad that there, there was almost no challenge at all. And once once Lukaku scored, it it felt even though we weren't creating a huge amount of chances, it felt fairly inevitable that we'd get a second. And then, as you say, it was it was rather like the Watford game in that we came out in the second half and we just looked like we were we were just cruising just complacency really just just cruising along in the game just assuming that nothing would happen and that we could just play it out without expending too much energy and then obviously we conceded a goal from a set piece which is always a danger with West Brom it's literally they're the only danger they have really and then we and then and then because because in those situations we don't seem to regain our composure we tend to panic and because we're not particularly good at retaining the, the football either in midfield we just end up with a, it wasn't a siege at the end but it was a you know the united goal was under quite considerable threat for the last the last 10 minutes in a game which we the, the goal had been under absolutely no threat for the for the previous 78 or whatever it was before the before the, the west brom goal and i guess at the end we can say well we've won again and and we can finally welcome the return of pogba our, our mojo Praise be, praise be. And praise be, you know, essentially say that we've got through that three-game period and we've, we've won two and we lost one, which isn't isn't the end of the world, even if they're pretty scruffy, because we just have to accept that at the moment, without Pogba, we, we aren't capable of playing fluently. So, so we have to we have to be scruffy, we have to be to win ugly. Um, and, and we've absolutely certainly done that today, and it was far closer than it should ever have been, but we got over the line, and so it's, it's difficult to complain. Hmm. Yeah, James, another, as we were saying earlier on with that, it was almost a carbon copy of the goal against Bournemouth in the Kharkiv, wasn't it? This time Rashford with the great cross, he leapt well and buried it past Ben Foster. Yeah, I thought it was a really good header, actually. It was um, just just shows that you, you get decent crosses into and that's the threat. And we haven't done it all season, you know. That was clearly why Mourinho wanted Perisic, because he's he'd have that threat. He's pretty direct down the, the left from what I've seen of him and he's a decent crosser and Lukaku's a threat from there and we just don't do it enough we've got Ashley Young cutting in on his right all the time who's, yeah all the time and he's you know he's, he's decent but we just still don't do it enough and if Lukaku you know he's um, like I say his, his first touch isn't always the best so if you're not getting anything out of him um, in sort of build up play you know to a certain extent just by putting the ball in there you, you see what happens the last two times he's, it's been invaluable he's got us the you know six points because of because of that and his header today was fantastic to be honest to get it as well as he did right in the corner, no chance for for Foster, and you know it was a it was a big goal. So really good to see. I just hope they, you know, you see that and can see that if you put a decent cross in, he'll he'll get in there. He didn't really, it wasn't didn't do anything special in terms of movement or too much, but just the to get it right in the corner with the power he did was um, yeah, it was really good. And another goal for a recent birthday boy Jesse Lingard, who is enjoying his best purple patch in a United shirt. He's in the middle of his most prolific season for United ever, which is, I guess, a real testament to how he's come on to Mourinho. Yeah, is it's that the third away game in a row he's scored, and he's, he was pretty quiet against City, but that's a home game where he doesn't seem to get the space that he does in away games. And yeah, again, a bit of deflected sort of finish, but 
again, he was he's pretty good today, um, and he he does seem to add something that you know most of our fans don't particularly like him. And I've, I don't I haven't been his biggest fan over the years, but since he got that cup final goal, I've sort of cut him a bit of slack. Because, and you sort of that's very good of you, it. James. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I've um, he won us a trophy, and you're cutting in some yeah. slack. I'm definitely cutting him some slack, and certainly after the Arsenal, he can do what he wants now. So, um, no, I appreciate him more than perhaps I did, um, let's say, a season or two ago. And I think he certainly um, he does what Mourinho wants, and that's the thing with Mourinho: if you do what he's what you're told, a you'll stay in the, in the team, and b you'll get more starts than than most. And that's where he does what Mkhitaryan perhaps hasn't been able to do you know he's functional in terms of he's never going to set the world alight in terms of you know being you know this amazing player but he does the job that the team wants and he's doing it pretty well at the moment so you um, yeah he's his first choice in terms of, of number 10 I think at the moment but like I say he's such a threat away from home where the where the spaces line up and he'll benefit as well from from Pogba coming back um, as we saw in the in the Arsenal game and, and Watford as well so yeah he's um, done really well to cement his place really yeah would you concur with that Rich? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Mkhitaryan, and I think one of Mkhitaryan's biggest problems is that Lingard's come in and played there instead and actually done a really, really effective job. James is right in that he's really a horse for for a certain course, and that, that course is usually away from home, because just simply because there's far more space in, in those areas for him, and United tends to play on the counter-attack, which is you know perfect for his particular skill set. Um, you know, his movement's very good, he's pretty quick, he's really good at finding space, and he links up well with other other quick and powerful players around him. Whereas at home he does struggle because the space there's far less space and, and you need more more technical ability to, to really pick a pass through a more congested final third. So but yeah, I mean I, I've never been Lingard's biggest fan and I This is all the chat that goes around Lingard. <laughs> no one can ever say anything nice about him without saying I've never really been his biggest fan. I don't. I don't think. I think. I think he's mostly played. He's tended to play wide, and he doesn't really. He doesn't really have the the physical attributes or the skill set to to really succeed there with any consistency. You know, he's he's not super quick. He's not the most technical. He's not the greatest dribbler in the world. His 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 abilities are all about finding finding space, movement, and space, and 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 taking up intelligent positions. And he. That's difficult to do when you're on the wing because you've got 50% less space in which to do that. You know, I've been really pleasantly surprised by the impact he's had moving into that number 10 position. That, uh, as James said, particularly when Pogba's playing, as we saw at Arsenal and Watford, that that really seems to benefit him because we then have three or four players breaking forward, and he can use his movement and and his one-touch play to really be quite effective and also to be a goal threat, which is something we've criticised him for in the past that he just doesn't score enough goals and he's certainly putting that to bed and if he if he could pick up the Lampard trick of, of the deflected goal as well then he's he's got a reasonable range of abilities in that in that area. Superb I guess we'll mostly leave it there uh, I mean this is most likely going to be out roughly before we play Bristol on Wednesday so let's grab a couple of score predictions from you both James Bristol and Leicester please. Bristol City um yeah, I don't, I don't know too much about them, to be honest. I think they're doing fairly well in the championship. Well, they are down well, in the southwest. Yes, I know where it is, but I don't okay. know <laughs> where they are in the league. I think they're fairly they're third, high. Third, I think. I think they're third. They're doing pretty well. Third. Brilliant. Okay. So, I think we'll play a pretty strong team. I think there'll be a few changes. Lukaku will probably get rested, and Ibrahimovic will play. Link Shaw will, will come back in. Pogba probably needs a game after being out for a few weeks, so that could be good. Um, and I think we will, yeah, we'll narrow in, say 2-0, something like that. Rich? 
Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Probably a 2-1. Mourinho doesn't like to go too, too weak in any competition, which is why he's won the League Cup more times than any other any other manager. So I think it'll be a, obviously be quite a heavily rotated team, but still still a quite a strong strong team. And yeah, I mean, I think it would probably do probably good to get a game, to get back in his rhythm before before Leicester at the weekend. Sounds pretty good. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for your company. James a bit more than Rich because I speak to Rich every week. Thanks very much, my friend. No problem. Thanks for having me. Great. I mean, obviously, I'm grateful for you too as well, Richard, just so you don't feel bad or anything. I feel like I don't appreciate you because you... I'm sure I'm sure you are. <laughs> you, you, you know, I do. You know, I do. We appreciate you guys listening even more. Thank you very much for doing so this week and every other week if you're doing so. Don't forget, you can get us all over Twitter. You can get James at written off underscore MUFC. You can get Rich at RichardCan76. You can get me at at you and Lennitz. And you can get the pod at at Red Voices MUFC. You guys have yourselves a superb Christmas period. We hope you have a wonderful little break and we will be back relatively soon, probably in the next week. Cheerio. Cheerio.